welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast, and today I'm thrilled to have Gretchen Rubin on the show. She is an author of several books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestseller, Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, which I loved, and Happier at Home. She is known for practical advice drawn from cutting-edge research, and she really is one of the most interesting people I've gotten to talk to. So she's been interviewed by Oprah several times and walked arm-in-arm with the Dalai Lama, and this conversation was so much fun. We talked all about the things that make her happy, that used to make her happy, that won't make other people happy, and I know that you're going to be surprised by some of the simple shifts that you can make to start getting happier right now. So let's get started. Gretchen, I'm so incredibly excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. I'm very happy to be talking to you. <laughs> this is so much fun because I know that you have a podcast as well, which we are going to talk about in a little bit. But for the two people who are listening who may not know your story, I would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself. I know that you started in law and you became a New York Times bestselling author, but let's just let's just start from the beginning. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, you're right. I I started my career in law, and I was actually clerking for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when I realized, you know what? I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a writer. And um, and so it took me a little while to make that transition. Um, And I wrote several books. And the book, though, that I'm best known for probably is my book, The Happiness Project, which was actually my fourth or fifth book, um, which was when I decided to spend a year test driving uh, the wisdom of the ages, the current scientific studies, and the lessons from popular culture about how to be happy. I wanted to know, could I make myself happier? So I spent a year kind of breaking it down and um, and figuring that out. And then, um, and then I wrote a book, Happier at Home, which is all about happiness, but really uh, looking very deeply at the idea of home, which is one of the few universals. Most people really do ha- want to be happy at home. And then my most recent book called Better Than Before is all about habits, how we can make and break our habits. Because what I found in studying happiness is that a lot of times when people have a happiness challenge, they point to a problem that at its core is a habit problem. Like someone Mm -hmm. says, I'm exhausted all the time. And that's about the habit of getting enough sleep. Or um, I can never save enough money. And that's about the habit of regular saving or not impulse buying. Or, you know, how would you change your habits um, to, to, uh, to tackle that. And as you say, I have a podcast, I have a website I, you know, I, I've got a bunch of stuff going on all related to sort of how do we live, um, you know, lives that are healthier, happier, more creative and more productive. 
Oh, I love that. A happiness problem is a habits problem. That's just, it makes you realize right away just the switching of that thought process. So Gretchen, what are you, you have so much going on, but what are you most excited about right now? What's lighting you up the most right now? Oh, there's so many things. Well, I love the podcast that you mentioned, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. I do it with my sister, uh, Elizabeth Kraft, and that is a ton of fun. Tomorrow we're recording, so I've been deep in my podcast world. <laughs> um, and I'm also working on a book um, about the four tendencies. In my book, Better Than Before, I developed this personality framework that divides all of humanity into four categories. Um, they say there are two kinds of people, the kind of people who like to divide people into two kinds of people and the kind <laughs> of people who don't. And I do. And so um, and so many people have emailed me and talked to me and asked me follow up questions about this personality framework that, you know, I just I kept kind of answering and answering and answering and it turned into this whole book. So mm. I'm really excited to be working on um, that about that personality framework. Oh, that is like I'm I'm an analyzer. So that kind yeah. of excites me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all like to kind of like take a there's a quiz you know like on my site you know you can take a quiz and find out mm. what you are and yeah it's fun and I think it really is illuminating mm, totally I find I find the more self-aware that I can become it, it's just the happier I can become too because I can notice when I'm doing something just like you had said in the beginning it's just kind of I can notice it and if it's something I can fix or I can do something different you know those are actionable items that you can create change that shift that you're looking for so okay. I mean I I think you're 100% correct. And oh, more and more and more all the time, I see that self-knowledge is just at the core of everything. And you think it would just be so easy to know ourselves because we just hang out with ourselves all day long. But it's actually very challenging. And But mm. I think you're 100% correct. Mm. It's really, it's the most important thing we can do. It's funny because, you know, I, I love the topic of happiness. That's a reason that I'm really drawn to you. Is it just... There was a, a point in my life or a time in my life where I really was not happy. And it's not like I had a horrible life by any means. But looking back, I, I look at now to then and what I was thinking and what I was doing. And I was doing a lot of the same things, but it was how I was thinking of them. And when mm. you become so aware of, wow, I just had a really negative tone around having to work out or having to pay bills or having to go see this person because I'm an introvert or whatever that is. And now it's like shifting into being excited about it. And what if I couldn't do that? And, you know, and really maybe I call it the takeaway. Is there something that you do for yourself just in your little thoughts throughout the day over the mundane that helps you shift? Oh, constantly. No, I think you're exactly right. It's really astonishing, actually, how you can just reframe something and feel very differently about it. Um, no, I think one of the things you said is absolutely true. It's not that I have to do this. It's I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had this thought because I was taking my younger daughter to the pediatrician where she was going to get shots. So she really did, you know, she had to get her vaccination. So she really didn't want to go and I didn't want to take her. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what a drag. I hate, I hate doctor's appointments anyway. <laughs> you know, I hate blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, well, what if somebody came up to me? What if my mother-in-law who was right around the corner from me came and said, I'll take her to the doctor. Would mm. I, would I say, oh, that'd be great. I'd be like, no, I want to take her to the doctor. Cause yeah, it's not that it's not a happy experience, but I want to be there for my daughter when she's getting these shots. I, I feel lucky that I could take her to the doctor. You know, like mm. what if I were traveling and I couldn't do it? I would feel bad that I missed it. So that's a way to reframe. And, and another way, like in terms of like getting perspective, is to say the days are long, but the years are short mm -hmm. because sometimes like one day in our life, you just feel like, oh my gosh, it's an eternity until I'm going to be getting back into bed and think of all the things I have to do. 
but then a year passes in a flash. And so I think, you know, it, it reminds me to treasure the moment and really try to experience and appreciate the moment and to remember that even if something's not pleasant, it'll be over soon. Or if there's mm-hmm. aspects of something, like we have a new puppy and he's chewing up everything. But people are like, this is what he, what puppies do. And he'll grow out of it. And then you'll miss the days when you had a little puppy. And so, and it's really true. Mm. My husband and I are always saying this because as you, you know, as you gain more success, you get more responsibility. And sometimes it's easy for us to play off of each other, you know, like, ah, I'm so overwhelmed and I have this and, oh, you have this call and he has this and I have this. And, and all of a sudden, we'll just kind of slow down. We like to go for walks because that kind of just clears everything right And nature. So it so can help with that. And it's remembering that there was a time where I yearned for responsibility. I yearned for people to, you know, look to me for advice, um, for messages in my inbox for emails. And then right away I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's right. That was miserable when I was at that point wishing that I could live in my purpose. Um, so that's been really huge for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did on my blog. I did a, uh, an interview with Mindy Kaling, you know, who's like just one of my favorite she, uh, TV writers mm. and actors. And uh, and she's written t- two great books. And she said that when she feels herself getting too snappy um, and too annoyed, she often thinks back to like, the, the Mindy years ago who like her, if she couldn't, if she had known that she was going to be a TV writer, she would have thought, Oh my gosh, that is like the best thing that could possibly <laughs> happen. How could you ever have even one complaint? Because like how happy you would be. And she said, just remembering that earlier self, just like you're doing, remembering how lucky and happy the earlier self would be to find yourself in the, in your current situation. It does help. Again, it's about putting it in perspective and remembering, like, it's not that this isn't annoying or that I don't feel overwhelmed, but, um, you know, this is what I want. My sister, who's a TV writer has a sign in her office that says it's a fun job and I enjoy it to remind herself when she's complaining about work, this is a fun job mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. You know, <laughs> sometimes we need to remind ourselves. I always say that all the time. Like team meetings were like, but we love it. Love <laughs> it. Really this busy. is the fun part. No, I say that to myself. I'm like, this is the fun part. Yeah. Oh. It's so much better. Like, you know, when you go to bed and your head hits the pillow and it's just the feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction and the fact that you get to do it, you know, if we're lucky enough to get to do it, helping other people. Oh, it's the best. So your podcast, I listened to an episode recently um, about best advice that you were chatting Mm, with with your sister. So I want to know, um, share some, I would love to hear some of the best advice you've ever gotten. And then also, is there anything that you best advice you feel like you've ever given that you feel is really good? So gotten and then given. Uh, well, a great piece of advice that um, my father gave me when uh, uh, when I was sort of starting into my work life is he said, if you take the blame when you deserve it, you will get responsibility. Mm. And I have found that to be so very true and that in work situations, like if there's this sort of free floating blame around, like people get extremely distracted by that and they get very annoyed if you don't take responsibility, if you've made a mistake. And yet, and I remember being like a young person and, and I was sort of, I had a position where I was supervising a lot of people who were more experienced than I was. And there was sort of a situation where I could have easily, there was sort of a screw up and I could easily have just said nothing and nobody would have thought anything of it. But I said in this meeting, 
they did that because I told them to do that. I thought that that's what we had agreed should be done. So they did that because I said so. So that's on me. Mm. And you and, and I was very afraid that it would like under undermine me, but actually it gave me more. People felt more comfortable giving me responsibility. So that was great advice. Mm. Um, my mother gave me she made. Well, this isn't really advice, but it's a great observation. And it kind of turns into advice which is I was very nervous before my wedding. You know, I was like all like, what about this? And what about that? <laughs> Somebody thinks can go wrong. And then and my mother said, you know, the things that go wrong often make the best memories. Mm. And it's really true. And it's a great thing to keep in mind when you're like on your trip to France and something goes terribly wrong. You're like, this is probably what I'll remember the best. And we'll look <laughs> back on it and laugh about how you got food poisoning or whatever. Um, it's a com very comforting thing um, to remember. And then best the advice I always give, I think, uh, is, and I talked about this on the podcast, um, is for people who are writing that the most important thing is to have something to say. And that a lot of times when people are struggling with their writing, it's because they don't really know what they want to say, or they don't really have something to say. Um, and you're, it's, you think, why would you be writing if you don't have something to say? It actually comes up quite a lot. And so mm -hmm. if you ever are stuck, just kind of step back and think, well, what do I want to say? And I actually got an email from a listener afterwards and she said, that um, she's an editor and she will often say to people who are stuck, just tell me what it is that you're, what is it that you're trying to convey mm -hmm. and have them talk it through and she'll take notes. And then she gives them the notes and says like, well, start here because this is what you're trying to say. And then she said often once they're sort of over that hurdle, um, then they see how they can proceed. Ooh, love that. I'm writing my first book right now. So that's really oh, good. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what else do you have for writers? Um, yeah, no. yeah, oh, <laughs> I love that about all of it. That's funny. That was the one piece of advice when I was listening to your podcast that stood out uh, that you said your, your dad, right? About just owning it. That's so huge. I can remember points in my life where I've owned it and just felt if you, you even feel better, you know, like you're yeah. realizing how much growth you have. And also um, when I just when I'm looking to hire any employee at all, that's what I want the most. I just want someone to say, I acknowledge that. And that's when I really, really, really just have so much respect for that person. Like when they can just own their mistakes, you know, and also the stories because uh, the stories of the things that go wrong, I swear to you, if things didn't go wrong, I don't know if I'd be funny. So <laughs> it's like everything that I share. All right. So what uh, message has really resonated the most with people just from all of your, you know, you, you're on so many interviews, you talk so much, you do a lot of, um, you have so many different books. Is there like a through line that is just so human, something that always comes up no matter what you talk about? You know, what's funny, the one, because I've talked about so many happiness resolutions and habits and, and people come up to me and they're like, Oh, I've worked on my habits. I've done my own happiness project. And I always say, well, what did you do? What worked for you? Because I'm, I'm fascinated. Like what, what exactly like your question, what strikes a chord with people? And I've heard a million gazillion answers, but the, <laughs> the thing that people most often specifically say, and I'm not saying this is the most significant thing, the most significant habit you could change to boost your happiness, but people do mention it the most often is the habit of making your bed wow. over and over. People say to me, I started making my bed and 
it just made me happier. There's something about this little manageable bit of orderliness at the beginning of our day. And then they're like the head of the Navy SEALs gave the speech and he talked about why he made his folks make their beds because it's like he thinks it's so important. It's so small. Um, it seems almost laughable. And yet over and over people point to that. So that's mm. kind of funny. But I, I think the deeper point is this idea that, and people often come back to me with this, is that there's, there is no magic one-size-fits-all solution for a happy life or good habits. And then we really all have to think about, well, what is true for us? Because, like, sure, I could say to you, if, something's imp if it's important to you to exercise, you should get up first thing in the morning and do it before you go to work. But if you're a night person who can barely get out of bed in the morning, that's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Or I could say to you, um, to be happy, it's really important to have a lot of travel. Travel is really important for happiness. Well, some people don't really like that. Is, it isn't important to them to travel. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's not like a universal aspect of human nature. And so just because something's fun for someone else doesn't mean it's going to be fun for you. Just because a habit works really well for some people doesn't mean it's going to work really well for you. Like a habit for me that is amazing that I love is like I basically I eat no sugar mm -hmm. and I basically don't eat any carbs, mm -hmm. which so and most people would not want to do that. But for me, it's incredibly freeing and I love it. So but if somebody keeps telling me, oh, you should indulge in moderation and have a treat, a cheat day and like, well, that might work for you. That's not going to work for me because I'm a different kind of person. It's not that you're right and I'm wrong or that you're wrong and I'm right. It's just that we each have to say, well, what works for me? What kind of person am I? Because if I we really can only build a happy, healthy, productive life around our own nature, you know, mm. and it's much easier to, to change our environment than it is to choose, change ourselves. Because sometimes people are like, well, I need to get more willpower. I need to have more discipline. It's like, no, you don't like just don't buy ice cream and then you won't eat it. You know, like <laughs> yes. that's a much easier fix. Yeah. You, know, you keep, you keep texting while you're driving, put your phone in the trunk. Yes. Get no willpower, my friend. It won't take you any willpower. Change uh, your surroundings, not yourself. So I, I love that. I was like, I can't stop eating crackers and peanut butter. So yeah, they're no longer in existence in my household. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's really big for me. So I love that. And you know what? I just, I continue to learn what makes me happy because I just try it on. I just try it for a while. Like I, when I first started writing, which for me was, you know, this, whole new world I did not write before this and everyone was like you know you need to write first thing in the morning before you have yep. any distractions so here I am not really an early morning person waking up at 5 30 every day uh, like no. going downstairs and writing for yeah. a year I did it for a year believe it or uh. not and finally I was like I'm really unhappy like I'm eating more during the day I'm more tired like I'm getting more frustrated with people so for me it's exercise first thing in the morning like if I can do that then I feel like I can do anything and then I have these great hours between like 12 and 2 where I feel super you know alert and awake and inspired and I had but you know see what I had to do for a year I had to try on someone else's idea for a year to be like this just sucks so <laughs> No, I mean, that's the thing is so often people want to say there's one right way. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all attracted to that, you know, that like if only somebody could hand me the magic list of the seven habits of highly effective people, <laughs> yes. um, then it, then I, then my problems would be solved. But mm. I mean, I remember we, we, on the podcast, we interviewed Roseanne Cash, who of course is like this hugely successful musician. And she was saying how for years, she was like, oh, reading your book was so comforting to me because I always thought I was going about songwriting the wrong way because I, 
you know, people would say like, you got to go to your desk and work regular hours and treat it like a job. And she goes, and I just like wander around my day. And like, if something occurs to me, I write it down. And like, my husband found like some song lyrics, like on a scrap of paper on the ping pong table. And he was like, what is this? This is good. And she's like, oh yeah, I wrote that last night. You know, completely (laughs) not a desk job kind of thing. Mm. And it's like, you're Roseanne Cash. If it works for you, like, how can anybody tell you you're doing it wrong? You know what I mean? It's like, like nobody can say to you, oh, Lori, you're writing your book the wrong way because you're writing it from (laughs) noon to three instead of from seven to 10 a.m. It's like, Mm. who cares? Mm -hmm. You you know, I have a a writer friend and she does her best writing from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. I'm like, that would kill me. Kill me, kill me, kill me. I could not do that. But she, I mean, I get up at 6 a.m. So there isn't a right way or wrong way. We really, Mm. and it's hard I think it's hard also if we, if something works really well for us, not to try to get other people to do it our way. So if we're a boss, we say to people, cluttered desk means cluttered mind because a cluttered desk means for us a cluttered mind. Mm -hmm. Or as a parent, I say to my daughter, oh, you know, you have to sit at a desk if you're going to work. You can't Mm -hmm. just sit in your bed and work. I, for, I, for so long, I tried to get my, my, my daughter to sit at a desk. Cause I'm like, how can you think if you're not at a desk? Cause <laughs> I can't think if I'm not at a desk, you know, but she, yes. she, she can think just fine, like sitting in a chair, you know? So like, mm-hmm. why was I badgering her about that? You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> I so can, I, I see myself in all of that too, because I, well, I have a fitness background. So of course, you know, everybody wants to know what the one blanket fitness routine advice, all of that stuff is. And through the years, it's, you know, I watch it change for myself. It can sometimes change every three months. It can change from today to tomorrow. I could think a completely different thing. And, it, you know, giving that advice to people, either they're asking because they want it or because something worked so well for me that I'm like, you guys have to try this. And then some people it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you're just not trying. <laughs> and now yeah. it's really switching that and realizing, especially through all that I've tried through the years, it's just realizing that someone could be I mean, it could be the complete opposite yes. and they could get just as good of results. So I love that. It's really freeing. And also that as what makes one person happy is so not universal because, you know, my husband really loves to travel and I don't really love to travel. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, see, yeah. see right here. It says not everybody loves this. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's well, really that- freeing. That's one of the, with this personality framework um, that I developed, which I call the four tendencies. It's whether a person is an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. Mm. And one of the things that I found is that, like, like take something like, uh, like working out. Um, people are really different in, like, because I was very intrigued as I was writing better than before. Why, why did some people go to the gym with no problem? And sometimes people would go for five years with no problem. And then suddenly they would struggle. What Mm. was changing? And some people never wanted to go to, you know, what was different in how the thing was set up so that, that affected the way people successfully or not, um, had a habit. And what I found is like for obligers, which is a very large group of people, having outer accountability is crucial. Mm. So just wanting to go to the gym, just saying like, oh, it's important to me to go to the gym or I'm really motivated to go to the gym. It's not going to make a difference. They need to work out with a trainer or meet a friend or think of their duty as a role model or, you know, train for a race because they're raising money for charity for, you know, an organization that's really important for them. Or they need to run with their puppy who's going to be so sad if, if she doesn't get to go for that run. They need that outer accountability. But then there are people, the rebels. Rebel is a very small group. Rebels don't like accountability. They don't like people looking over their shoulder. And if I say to them, hey, you should sign up for this 10 a.m. class, they're going to be like, 
I'm not going to go. How do I know what I'm going to feel like doing at 10 a.m.? Just mm-hmm. the fact that you're expecting me to go makes me not want to go. They have to feel free. They need to want choices. So they might do something like, you know, belong to a gym that had, oh, you know, tons of classes and tons of choices. So they're like, I feel like working out. Mm-hmm. What do I feel like doing today? Well, today I feel like today I feel like doing Pilates. And then they just go in. Um, and so it's a very different way of setting things up. And mm-hmm. if you assume that the same thing will work for everyone, you might very well, like you said, the opposite might work for someone else. And so if you're totally committed to one system, it might work very well for some people and not others. Now, sometimes that works, sometimes that's fine. And you're like, this will work for who, whomever it will work for. And then other people just will go find their own solution. But if you're really trying to fix it for every single person, like it's like your dad and you're like, I don't care what works for most people. I need the answer that's going to work for my dad because my dad is not taking his blood pressure medication. What mm-hmm. do I do about him? Then you kind of need to know, well, what is the range of personalities and how can I identify how somebody fits in? Because I don't want the solution that is going to work for the most people. I want the solution that's going to work for a particular person. And that's very different, different Mm. kind of problem. So I I love hearing that. And it's just paying attention too, because I, so I used to be such a, I used to be able to go to the gym by myself, like all of the time. I had no problem with it, but I can tell you looking back, I had to drag myself there always, no matter what, even though I would do it and I would make sure I had a great workout. It was, I was dragging myself. I was also not looking forward to it. A lot of, you know, thinking certain ways about what I was about to go do. But now we, we moved to California about three years ago and I had no idea how much I would love classes. So now Mm. I've just incorporated that and that has changed everything for me. But before that you could not have gotten me to go to a class, but I just find it so interesting how maybe it was me just becoming more open or maybe it was me, you know, kind of responding to this environment of so many people out here doing classes, but just really watching how being open to new things could actually completely rock your world. So what if someone's totally closed off? Do you ever give them a piece of advice around maybe trying to see it differently and that could really improve their happiness or what they're doing? Or do they just have to stumble upon it on their own? I mean, you can't change other people. That is, that's one of the sad facts about happiness (laughs) is the only person that we can change is ourselves. Now Mm. it is true that if I change, my relationships change. And if I change often, other people will change as a consequence, but I can't make them change. Mm. And so, um, so if there's somebody that you really want to help to change, there's certain things you can do. Like you can certainly model whatever the behavior is. Like if you're telling your kids to get off their devices, you better get off your device. Mm. If you're telling your kids to read a book, you should show that you take pleasure in reading. You know, it's not just something that is the spinach that children are supposed to do, but something that you like to do. Um, and you can make things more convenient. So in Better Than Before, I talk about the 21 strategies that can help people make or break their habits. Many of these are not universal. They work for some people and not for others, or they work at some times in our lives, but not at all times. But one of the most universally useful strategies, and we all know this from everyday life, is convenience. If something is slightly more convenient, we are just much more likely to do it than something that's not convenient. And you can use this to help you with your good habits because like if you're thinking, should I go to the gym that's across the street from my office or should I save a few bucks and go to the one that's two blocks away? Oh, no, no. If you can afford it, go to the one across the street because just that much easier is going to make it that much easier for you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they did this funny study of people looking at how much food people took from a salad bar 
And when there was a t- when there were tongs there instead of serving spoons, people took less because they just like could not be bothered to take more food if they had to use a tong. So, um, so if you're trying to help someone else, like maybe what you would do is say something like, "Well, I really want you to take your blood pressure medication, so I'm going to fill your prescriptions for you, and I'm going to get you one of those cases that says like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm going to put a pill in every day, and I'm going to put that case in front of the coffee pot in the morning. So you think, and I'm going to say to you, you can't have your coffee." until you have you take your blood pressure medication so it's just the easiest thing for you to do because but I can't just keep saying to you it's really important to take your medication I don't if it's important to you to be in good health you know that that's not going to make a difference um for a lot of people you know mm-hmm. some people need accountability some people need to have a lot of justification um you know it's it, there's a lot of different things it's it's easier to change habits than people think, but you kind of have to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I think a lot of times we don't really know how to go about doing it the most strategic way. And then that's when people get really discouraged because they keep trying and failing, but they didn't really try in the right way for them. So right. they really shouldn't give up hope. Mm, love that. So true. Trying to, trying to change other people. Sometimes I just notice that the, when we let that go or when I can let that go, cause I've had many people, you know, especially, um, coming from a background of not, not a healthy family whatsoever. And of course you want to change those people first and they're most resistant. Right. But when I've been able to completely just let it go and realize that my happiness is not dependent, um, upon them changing, oftentimes just it allows you to just really focus on what you're doing. And a lot of times your journey um, can inspire them if you are not in their face, you know? And I I do believe there's kind of like that peak period where um, it can be really challenging, like where you almost are getting resistance around it. So did you get resistance uh, from other people when maybe you were really focusing on your uh, happiness journey and then did it turn around for you at all? I wouldn't say that I got resistance, but I didn't get support necessarily. Mm. And I think, and somebody actually just emailed me today, and said like, "Oh, I'm st- I'm on like chapter two of the happiness project, but what do you do if you can't get other people to play along?" And uh. I'm like, "I never said anything about getting other people to play along. <laughs> I've never gotten anybody to play along. Like this is not a play along. Maybe it is. I've heard of like husbands and wives doing happiness projects together, or whole families doing it, and I think that would be amazing and great. That's not the kind of husband I have. He is not interested in that." And it's, and like, he's not interested in like having long conversations, you know, like there's this whole thing that many people say like, Oh, let's go around the dining room table and say like, what are three things that we're grateful for today? Mm -hmm. My husband would not, I would not be interested in doing that. I have to admit, uh, (laughs) even as a happiness expert and my husband would not be interested in doing that. Like that's not going to fly. Um, so fine, you know? And so, um, I think that you don't, I think, and, and this comes up with habits a lot because sometimes when you're changing a habit for the better, other people, like we, people sometimes expect that other people will be really supportive and oftentimes people are supportive, but sometimes they're like, they don't care. They're like, whatever, knock yourself out. And sometimes they're actually obstructive because sometimes when you change a habit, it makes people feel guilty about what they're doing. They may feel judged. They may feel envious, like you're making a positive change and they're not. And so then that like gives them all kinds of negative emotions. Their feelings can be hurt. Like, so they may not, or they might just be inconvenienced. It's like, oh yeah, well you want to get up and go to this 10 a.m. yoga class on Saturday. That means I have to watch the kids and I don't feel like doing that. 
it's more fun for me if you if I sleep late and you stay home with the kids. So I would really prefer that you not go to the gym. Okay, well, like that's just a conflict um, that you have to manage. Um, and so I think that, um, and one of the things I talk a lot about in Better Than Before is how do you handle a situation where other people are not necessarily being helpful? How do you think about it and how do you approach it so that you really can make the ha- you, you can have the habits that are going to work for you given your circumstances. Now, now I, I remember I got this funny email though from somebody who's like, I feel like the important thing for my happiness is that I would go away for a three-week meditation retreat, and um, I think that's what I need to do. But my husband feels like he doesn't want me to leave him alone with the three kids, and I was like. I can see both people's perspectives there. I got to say three <laughs> weeks with your three little kids. Like that's a lot to ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like you can just willfully ignore other people and what, and, and, and their lives and their concerns. Um, so it's, it all has to be sort of taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, because sometimes people do resist it, um, or, you know, for their own reasons, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't particularly want to be helpful or they're just not interested, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So someone like you, who's been asked a, a bazillion questions, especially about happiness. Is there a question that you've never been asked before? Well, I don't know. <laughs> is it that question? Was that it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, is there something that you wish more people would ask or that's associated with what you do or what you love, but people are, are missing um, the point on? Let me think about that for a second. I know. See, this is what happened when I don't send the questions beforehand. <laughs> uh, no, I, I feel like there's something right on the tip of my tongue that somebody, when I was like, um, well, one thing that people get wrong a lot, is, I mean, people, people will often see what they expect to see instead mm. of seeing what I actually say. Mm. So like people are like, oh, you agree that money doesn't matter for happiness. And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't say that. I think that money matters a lot for happiness. Mm. Um, or people will say, well, you say that everyone should be moderate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't say everybody should be moderate. <laughs> I think like some people really should not be moderate and I'm one of them. I can't be moderate. Um, and so, but it's interesting because it's like, it's like in a way though, that's useful for them perhaps. And that mm. they are, they have their own view of happiness that, 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 that they're taking through the world. And maybe that view is right for them. Like maybe it's, uh, I have to live up to my own thing of like, that there's no right way or wrong way and say, well, there's a lot of different ways to think about a happy life. And like, I can't just cling so tightly to my view and be like, no, you're wrong. Of course I can say you're wrong about what I say because I say what I say. Um, but you can have your belief. And mm-hmm. so that's, so that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it's just always surprising to me when I, I'm sort of like characterized in ways I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I said that. Um, <laughs> I could see that a lot because it's easy to take what we're reading and just translate it, especially uh, it's, it's really funny. Cause I was, you know, I've been reading your book and I'm, <laughs> it's easy for me to like lean over to my husband and be like, see, see this. Cause I can translate it into something that will work for me. Right. Yeah, right. But that's, but that's like the nicest thing somebody said to me about the happiness project book was a friend of mine said, I've never read a book 
that felt like it was more about me. Mm. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. Because my happiness project is, it's only interesting in terms of being an illustration or kind of like thought provoking for you to do your own happiness project, because obviously that's what will make a difference for you. And so, you know, you might have a whole, whole chapter in your, in your happiness project, you know, or like a whole month devoted to something like music. Music isn't important for my happiness project. It might be crucial for your happiness Mm -hmm. project. And so you're saying, oh, she's writing, she's writing a lot about reading, but reading isn't important to me. Biking is important to me, but you sort of get the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I think a lot of it is that we bring our own ideas to it. which is good, which Mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. I think the problem for most people is that like uh, people often say like, well, don't you think that if people think about happiness too much, they'll kind of get in their own way. They'll trip over their own feet and their desire to be happy will make them unhappy. And I'm like, I don't think that's a big problem. I don't personally see that as an issue in the world. I Mm -hmm. think a much bigger issue is that people never stop to think about it. They're so busy managing their day to day. And and like I was, you know, just caught up in like my to-do lists and thinking about my petty grievances and my minor grudges. And I, I just never stepped back to think about like, what did, it, what would I do to be happier? Um, so I think that inattention uh, is a much bigger issue for most people than kind of, you know, being too focused on it. So I, that was, that, that was a really big thing for me is just all of a sudden recognizing um, I'm trying to think when this was, it was uh, the la- like the last couple of years I lived in Minneapolis. So maybe five or six years ago, just all of a sudden realizing I wasn't doing anything that was fun for me or that was actually, you know, cause fun is huge for me. If, if I was going to do happiness project, that would absolutely fun would be a massive part of it, which for a while I just cut it completely out because I thought you couldn't have fun and be really, um, successful, like really going for your business dreams and all those things. So all of a sudden one day I was like, wow, I am just having zero fun with any of this. So for me, it was like all at once. I feel like I woke up to the fact that I was, um, so serious and not allowing myself to, you know, go towards the things that I was happy, uh, doing, but for you now you're so highly self-aware as well. And so, you know, maybe so many people are now that this has come to their attention, but what are some things that go off in your life or red flags where you're like, Whoa, I need to incorporate another, um, something that's going to make me happy. What are the feelings? What are the thoughts around it? I have spent so much time thinking. I mean, I really like, it's all I think about all day long. (laughs) So I, I don't, I don't think there's much, um, for me that is not, part Mm. of my comprehensive system. But I love that because you said you spend so much time thinking about it. So you've become so aware because it's such a part of your life that that really can happen for anyone that you, you probably do a daily scan or an hourly scan because it's just what you're doing. You know, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's happening in my life? So, well, I have to say it's like nice work if you can get it because, um, (laughs) Like I went on, I went on, like, I'm obsessed with the sense of smell mm. and I have a friend who's like loves perfume as much as I do. So we, we decided we were going to take an afternoon, play hooky and go to this like weird perfume gallery in Brooklyn. And, um, so we're, we're going there and I look over at her and I'm like, you know, for me, this is a billable hour, meaning for me, this is a work, this is part of my work day. And she's just like, <laughs> how did you score this? You know? And I'm like, I know, what can I say? So, I mean, I think, you know, I, I do it to a degree that most people do not, but of course then I, but then I have all the work of writing it and presenting it and researching it and, you know, trying to always be pushing, be pushing it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, but 
you know? <laughs> I so I was, feel that. I, I, I feel I was so. For Sandra Day O'Connor, I spent a lot more time thinking about Arissa and less time thinking about happiness. Yes. Um, <laughs> not sure everyone it's practical to do it. I do that at that level so other people don't have to. I just give you the, I just give you, give you the part you need yes. uh, to move forward. Cliff notes. I love it. <laughs> I love that. I feel really fortunate too, because I get to have conversations about it and I do a lot of work around it too. So I'm constantly like, oh, how could this be taught? Oh, how can I apply this to my life? And it's really, really great. And I love that you actually said smell because I love anything that engages my senses because obviously in, the more senses you can engage, the more present you get, the more present you get, the happier I tend to be. And just in the moment and the less I live in the past and the less I live in the future. So I love that. Just smelling things just brings you straight to the present. So, so awesome. I'll have to do that. <laughs> oh, I have a whole, in, in my book, Happier at Home, I have this whole big thing about smell. Oh. So I'm really obsessed with smell. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'll have to read that. So how do you, and I know that you just kind of said this, um, well, parts of it, but how do you get into inspiration? Do you ever hit a point where you wake up and you're like, wow, I do this every day. I kind of need to change up my environment so I can get, you know, new thoughts, new things into my life. You know, for me, it always comes through reading. That's really like the big thing for me. Um, and so if I do, if I feel like tapped out or, or, or really, um, you know, low energy, I'll take some time and just read for fun. Like maybe I'll reread something that I love or I'll go to the library. I, I, I live a block from a library where I often will go to write or I just was there today checking out books. Um, and I find that really energizing. And then and the thing about it is it's like it's a very soothing activity for me. Like it's something I love. Mm. But then it's also it also gives me ideas. So often it kind of you know, it's like the bicycle, starting the bicycle at the top of the hill. Like it'll give me an idea and that'll set me off. Like I'll be, I'll think, well, I have nothing to say for my blog today. What am I going to write in my blog? But then if I read for an hour, then I'll think, oh, well, there was this sort of interesting point about, you know, the passage of time. And that makes me think of something. And all of a sudden I have an idea. And now I have something to say, as we talked about when you're trying to write, the most important thing is to have something to say. Now I have something to say. And so, um, so for me, it always comes back to reading. So I do a lot of things um, aimed at reading. Uh, mm. Like on my site uh, under resources, I have this thing about reading better than before, like how to up your reading game. Mm. Because a lot of adults, I was surprised by how many people like want to read more, read better. And so, um, and that's a habit that you can work on like anything. Um, and so like I keep library lists, I go to the library, I go to bookstores, I stop reading a book when I don't like it. That was a big change for me. I always felt like a real reader finishes a book they start. No, if you finish a book you don't like, you have more time to read the things you do like. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I read a lot of stuff that is like, you know, on the one hand, I read very sophisticated literature, but and I used to feel kind of embarrassed about what I read that was not like I love children's literature mm -hmm. and now I've just decided I just I just read whatever I feel like mm, um, yeah so <laughs> that that's what works for me oh I love it two questions so do you have a list of your favorite books because I must I always oh. try to ask my favorite you know some of my most inspirational people what their favorite books are yeah, well, I have a book club. Okay. Um, so every month I recommend one book that's about happiness or good habits or human nature, one uh, outstanding work of children's literature, because I love children's literature, and then one, ex one eccentric pick, which is where I pick a book where I'm like, I love this book, but I'm not saying that it's for everyone because <laughs> yes. I like a lot of weird stuff. So like 
don't necessarily take my word for it. Um, so I have like, you know, gobs and gobs and gobs of lists of my favorite books. Yeah. That's on your site. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Going there. All right. So I know that you love to talk and analyze and you get ideas from other ideas and ideas from books. And that's kind of how I work too. It's just, I get, I, I can read an idea and I basically can play off of that idea. And it, you know, it really brings me to a different place and a different perspective. So I also love groups and masterminding and talking with people and analyzing. And in your book, you had talked about how your husband maybe isn't that person for you. And I absolutely loved hearing that because I felt like, I feel like, um, culturally, like we, we can marry this person or we have this best friend and we expect them to be everyone for us. And I think the most freeing idea was no, create this tribe over here or this group over here where you do this other, you know, soul part of you. And then this person can be more free to love you in the way that they're meant to or not meant to, but the way that they do best. So do you do a lot of masterminding or have a lot of different, um, groups and tribes to do that with? Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't use that. I don't use that language. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I work by myself a lot. And so I definitely do love to join groups because it's a way for me to engage with people. And also like, I don't have colleagues. Um, so it's good for me to have, so I have like a writer's group where it's like, it's a bunch of nonfiction writers where we get together and talk about, we don't like workshop or something, Mm -hmm. but we talk about issues related to writing. Um, I'm in another group that's, uh, for people who are trying to use social media, writers using social media, trying to understand like how to use social media to connect with, with, um, Mm -hmm. with readers. Um, I love going to conferences. I was just talking to somebody who like hates going to conferences because I'm going to this podcast conference. And I was like, I love a conference. I like a (laughs) conference in a big soulless corporate hotel. I love that. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, just sign me up. So like, I like that kind of thing. Um, But like, I've never had a mentor. I think that's a big mistake people make is they're like, they're waiting for a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you don't have to wait for a mentor Mm because like, maybe you won't have a mentor. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a mentor. Mm And that's really like allowing someone else, some other imaginary person to decide like your starting point. But here's something I would observe. And this goes back to my personality frameworks. If you're a person, there's a sizable group of people. This is a large of the four tendencies. This is the largest tendency obliger. They really need outer accountability in order to meet inner expectations. So if they want to write a novel in their free time, if they want to start their own business, you know, if they want to exercise, if they want to get a massage, mm-hmm. they need outer accountability for that. And if you feel like, and the, the, the way I identified this group was when a friend of mine said, um, I don't understand why I can't exercise. Cause when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. Mm-hmm. So why can't I go running now? So if you feel a strong drive to join with a group of people, that is probably a good idea because obligers often intuitively know that they need the supervision and the accountability of a group or of another person or of a situation in order to follow through. And so if you feel that urge, you should really try to get there and, and you can form a group and there's a starter kit on my site for people starting better than before groups. You don't all have to be working for the same thing. It's just the idea that you're all going to hold each other accountable for whatever your individual aim is. And that is super important. And like, or maybe you need a trainer or maybe you need to take a class where the teacher is going to notice if you don't show up. But often, and here's where the four tendencies kind of come into play. 
The other tendencies, upholders, questioners, and rebels, don't need accountability in the same way. Sometimes it's useful for them, but they don't really need it in the same way. And they will often try to, to dissuade obligers from getting, from getting accountability, or they won't help. So mm -hmm. maybe you're a wife and you're saying to your husband, well, every day, like when I come home, why don't you, can you just say to me, hey, did you go to the gym today? And your and the husband says, why should I do that? If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. Like, I don't like whatever. If it's important to you, go. I don't I don't want to be involved. Like, I don't want to have to keep bringing it up. Right. Or like or a wife says to the husband, the, the husband says, you know, can you can you ask me every day? Like if I ate out for lunch or if I brought lunch from home, <laughs> just just ask me. And the wife is like, I don't want to be nagging you. I don't, I'm not your mom. I don't want to pester you. Right. You eat, you do what you want. So there. So, but somebody's saying, I want you to hold me accountable. And somebody else is saying, well, I don't want that job. Mm. Okay, maybe you don't want that job. But then how do you how does somebody else fill that role? Because for some people, having that outer accountability is very important. And whenever people start talking about how they need a group or they need a, a coach or they need a trainer, that starts making me think, okay, this is an obliger. So it's very important to make sure that that function is filled mm. because otherwise that obliger will struggle to meet an inner expectation. They need supervision, they need deadlines, they need accountability to something outside themselves. Mm. But not everybody needs that. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we mess with their heads. That's so interesting because I can clearly see points in my life where I've, I've really felt like I needed it, but then other points where I almost push so hard against it because maybe I've gone to um, a big seminar and they try to match you up in a mastermind group and I'm like, no, no way. Like I can't do this right now. So it's really for me to, um, it's funny. I feel like I'm in between all those personalities, but observing we'll it, quiz. you know, yeah, I'm you going go to, to now. That's yeah, awesome. Happiercast.com slash quiz. Okay. One you more time. Say it. It's happiercast.com slash quiz. It'll take you to the quiz and it will spit out your 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 tendency all right you guys we're putting that in show notes so i can't oh, wait to hear what everyone is there's a deep affinity between obligers and rebels so if you mm. that they they will sometimes obligers sometimes they'll meet 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 expectations and then suddenly they snap and they're like no more i'm putting my foot down this i won't do so like <laughs> you've been you've been heaping extra work on me for two months well guess what now i'm not going to answer your emails for three weeks mm, interesting you've been, telling, you've been telling me uh you know, um, you've been badgering me. I'm just going to be late for work for, 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 for a month, or I'm just going to quit on you. Uh, I'm just going to walk in and you're dead to me or, you know, blow up a relationship. Mm. Uh, you know, you've been my friend, but you're so needy and you just keep taking and taking and taking. And instead of like, let's have a conflict. It's like, you know what, this is over. Mm. So that can be a very, it can be a very, um, a very kind of, uh, destructive pattern that mm. sometimes obligers can fall into uh, if they feel like too many expectations are placed on them. Oh, I love it. See it just anything. I'm so, I so love self-awareness because it's, it's an actionable place, right? Once you realize it, you can finally start taking action to improve your yep. life. So yep. anything like that, I'm obsessed with. So yep. Gretchen, thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate oh, your time. It was so it's fun to talk to you. I feel uh, like we talk all day I long. was just thinking that I'm like, I literally had to watch the clock because I was like, I could keep this woman on for hours. <laughs> so anything that you want to share before we go? Um... Well, I love to hear from listeners and readers. So, and I'm totally like out there on the internet and 
and Twitter and Facebook and all that. So um, I love to hear people's own experiences, their insights, their recommendations, their challenges when it comes to happiness and good habits. So um, if people are, are, are intrigued, I, I, I hope that they are interested in the stuff that I've written and I would love to hear from them about their own experiences. Mm, I love that. So where can we find you, follow you? Where do you hang out the most on social media? Well, I have a website, GretchenRubin.com, and just about every day I write about my adventures and happiness and good habits. And there's a lot of resources there like discussion guides and starter kits and like one pagers about how to work better than before and eat better than before and stuff like that. Um, I also am on Twitter and Facebook uh, under Gretchen Rubin. I have my podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, um, which is tons of fun. I do it with my sister who is, I call her my sister, the sage, Mm. because she's so wise and hilarious. (laughs) Um, And then I'm also on, you know, Instagram and uh, YouTube and I, I got stuff everywhere. So I'm very easy. I'm insanely easy to reach, um, which is good because I like to hear from people. So I try to, I try to be very available. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it, shout it out, tweet it. And like she just said, make sure that you tag her, let her know how much you loved it, what you loved and what you got out of it. So until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, all I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up With Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. 
You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this and now their smart ai platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com that's k-a-j-a-b-i.com Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com.